0: Feel you, uh, hey. I know that uh, I know that church is notorious for like stand, sit, kneel, stand, sit. Um, but I would just love for you to join me standing real quick. We're gonna read from First uh, Peter chapter two. I ask you to stand because we believe this is God's word, and His word never returns void. And so this is just a posture of respect as we stand for what God has to say to us today. So this is from First Peter chapter two. It says this: Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. Grab a seat. Uh, So welcome again. Just as a reminder, we will not be grilling dogs, but hot dogs next week, and it's going to be amazing. So we'll bring the buns if you just bring your buns too, okay? So (laughs) join us for a a little cookout after service. Oh, pastors taking liberties there, huh? Here we go. Um, other than that, immediately after message, we'll be kind of dismissing anyone that d- needs to go, but then we'll jump right into our, our business meeting. It should be short and sweet. We'll address some of the questions that we had gotten over the past two weeks, and then also just do a couple verbal uh, affirmations, and yes, God's, amens, and then we'll all be able to go and uh, grab some lunch together. So, All right, so for the past month, we have been talking about worship, good, worship, yes, the good life. That God is inviting us into through the practice of worship. And we started talking about worship by defining some terms. Um, and, and we started by describing this, defining this as worship being the expression, should be on the screen, the expression of allegiance, devotion, honor, and reverence to God from the position and posture of a servant. That worship isn't just a song, it isn't uh, isn't singing, it isn't showing up for church, but it's rather a whole life expression of praise back to God for who he is and what he has done. It's a lifestyle of honoring God with everything in you by submitting everything in you to him and his authority. Worship is saying, with your life, God, you are worthy. Worthy is your name, Jesus, right? This is what worship is. You're worthy, God, worthy of my thoughts, worthy of my love, worthy of my respect, my stuff, my melodies even, my intention, my future, my past. You are worthy of my attention and my affection, my opinions and my assumptions. Why? Because you are in charge. Because we believe that God is in charge. You are the Lord and I am not. You are God and I am not. You are good and I'm still working on it. This is what we're saying. Oh, it's so good to have Fran in the house of the Lord, isn't it? (laughs) Worship is saying, friends, you are my authority, God, for what is right and real and true, and I am your servant. This is a life of worship that God finds acceptable, which we learned is actually an important distinction to make, because what we learned is that not everything is acceptable, not everything we offer God is always pleasing to him because just like us, God has things he loves and things he doesn't. He has things that honor him and things that don't. He has ways of being worshipped that he, that he considers honest and things that don't always seem sincere. And, and I know that might come as a bit of a surprise to us um, coming from our postmodern context, but, but it's true. If God, in our worship to God, isn't what God wants from us, then it ultimately is not worship to him at all. And so this begs the question that we talked about a couple weeks ago. What does God actually want? What kind of worship does God find acceptable? And so we went back to the prophet Hosea, which has been kind of a foundation passage for us in this past couple weeks um, for what worship is and what we're alive to do. And God speaks to the prophet, and he says this. He says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. What God is saying is, I don't want, I just don't want your your empty gestures. I want to be your motivation. I want to be your love that leads to a life of sacrifice. I don't want your empty offerings. I want you to truly know me. And this is a life of worship that honors God. It's to know him and to love him and then to love what he loves. To really know who he is and then to love him and reply live in ways that reflect his goodness. I'm going to say a couple more here. To, li- to know and love what makes God unique and awesome and incredible and then align our lives with his way. To know and love his heart, his favorites, what he is passionate about and then live in response to know and love his dream for creation and his hope for the world and its people. And then to take that dream on as your own saying, not my will yours be done. This is worship that God finds acceptable. It's knowing God and loving God, the jumping in with both feet to, to join God in where he is going and what he is doing and how he is leading. This is it. Worship is honoring God with your whole life, but not just by knowing and believing good and true things about him, but by joining him in the good and true things that he's doing, embracing his love, embracing his passion and making them your own. After all, nothing shows that you love or respect someone more than knowing and embracing the things they care about. Nothing shows your love for someone or your, your respect for someone uh, more than when you take an interest in and actually participate in what they care about and what they love. For example, my, my wife, Rebecca, she loves a lot of things. She does, and loving her starts by knowing her and that I know the things that she loves. I know that she loves gardening. I know that she loves Subway cold-cut combos with lettuce, oil, vinegar, and mayo. Yeah, Bex? Thumbs up? Good? Got it. I know that she loves it when it's hot outside. I know that she loves putting her feet in the ocean. I know that she loves old trucks and high fashion and and folk music and board games, and these are just things that make her who she is. There are so many wonderful things to know about her, but one of my favorite things that makes her unique is her love for bizarre and weird and strange things, okay? like she loves weird stuff like dinosaur bones and monsters and unsolved mysteries like Bigfoot and ghosts and Bermuda Triangle it's just in her to want to know and explore beyond the veil of our of our limited vision to explore the supernatural and i know this about her now and so this past year for her birthday after a number of dud birthday attempts on my part i decide to just get into her brain okay i get in there and i take her passions on as my own, and I'm just going all out. I made the birthday theme this past year. Let's get strange. <laughs> yeah, and, and everything we did, everything I got her, and 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 even the little birthday party I threw for her, some of you were there, um, everything was built on her love for weird, unusual stuff. And so I To show I care and and that I knew her and loved her, I not only passively acknowledged it, I, I actually just jumped in with both feet and embraced it. Now, this type of party, this type of theme wouldn't be what I naturally love the most or what I would say represents me best, but this party wasn't about me, right? This party was about Rebecca and showing her that I know her and I love her and I honor her by joining her in her passions, putting aside my own favorites to embrace, Hers. Now, this is just some marriage advice 101 for anyone in the room, okay? You want a healthy marriage? Put aside your own favorites and embrace the others. Put aside your own favorites and embrace the others. Now, where am I going with this? What am I, what am I getting at? Well, back to worship. Like I said, worship is honoring God with your whole life. It's honoring God not just by knowing what is good and true and, and real about someone, but, but joining God in the good and true things that he is doing. And, and guess what? God is doing things. God is doing, he has plans. God has loves. God has favorites. Just like Rebecca and you and me, God has dreams that he spares no expense to fulfill. He does. But, but just like the weird stuff, God has a specific dream God has a, a, a single passion and one interest in particular that drives him more than any other. One passion that makes him who he is, and it's this driving passion that's actually, it's actually just a mission. It's a project that he has been working on since the beginning, a mission that reveals his heart that he wants us to know and embrace as our own. So all that said, here's where we're going today. After all the talk of parties and hot dogs and all that good stuff, here's what we're going to cover today in our final expression of worship as we talk about joining God's mission. Here's where we're going. We're going to build on our confession that that God is worthy of our life, build on our confession that we are stewards and saved as family to be like him and carry his image, building on this assumption that we were made to honor God with everything in us. But the rest of our time, I want to talk about what God is actually doing or, or what God's mission is first. And then second, I want to talk about what our role within this mission, what it means to join God's mission as his people. And then finally, I want to wrap up talking about how we can be faithful to God's mission and what he loves most, and not just cycle back, cycling back and back to the distraction of self. So what is God's mission? What is our part? And then how can we remain faithful? Does that sound good? Everyone's like, yes, pastor, this is so good. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Catch you later, Rosie. <laughs> I see how it is. I'm, I'm just kidding, Rosie. I'm sorry. I'm grateful for you. All right, so let's start, let's start by talking about the mission here. Any visitors are just like, what is this church doing right now? I love it. Anyone joining us online, they're like, oh. All right, so what is God's mission? This is the first question I'd like to answer. We see threads of God's passion, his love and focused intention, his mission all throughout the scriptures. And in case you didn't know, the word mission actually comes from the word send, or to send, or sending. And so again, we see God's mission, his sending of action and intention and passion and love And people all throughout the Bible, but it's never more beautiful than its climax when God chose to send Himself to become His own mission in His own sending. For what purpose? Check this out from John chapter three the arrival and reason for Jesus, and as we see God's master plan and dream for the world, this is the mission. It says this For this is how God loved the world. He gave, or he sent, his one and only Son, this is the mission, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And I know this is probably the most famous scripture in history. You see it at football games and, you know, people write it on their chest, whatever. Um, But this, this is the mission This is also the method. God's greatest passion and love is saving the world. The once good world that has now been ripped apart by sin and destroyed by idolatry and worship of self, God's greatest passion is to fix it, to put it back together, to save the world and its people. How? By sending. The mission. Sending Jesus. Now Jesus, he echoes this ultimate mission in Luke 19, verse 10, when he says that the reason he showed up on earth, the reason God took on flesh and dwelled among us is for this purpose. Verse 10, for the Son of Man came on mission to seek and save those who are lost. He didn't come, Jesus didn't come to look with judgment and condemnation at the mess we made, right? John chapter three. But instead he was sent to save us and to restore the world back to the way it was intended to be. This is the mission. It's a mission of love and passion defined by God's heart. It's a mission that saved you, a mission that brought you from death to life, a mission that that brought you from lost to found, from being a stranger or orphan to being his family in his house where the door is always open and the table is always set. This is the mission. And it supernaturally and miraculously makes all things work together for good somehow in and around you. It's a mission that plays no favorites and welcomes all who choose to call upon the name of the Lord. It's a mission that sets the captives free and restores sight to the blind. This is what God is doing and where we see his passion extended. Three big words here. Salvation, redemption, and restoration. This is where God's mission is going, and it's all through Jesus. The one who was sent into his own mission for the glory of the Father and the good of the world. This is the mission of God. And this is what God is doing, and what he, Jesus, is calling the world into, a mission to seek and save the lost. Which brings us up to number two. Here we go. Our role within his work. So what is our role within salvation, redemption, and restoration? As an expression of worship back to God and submission to his authority, what is our role in his mission? And why is our mission even connected to our worship? Well, let's start with the why here. I love how Pastor John Piper writes it when he says this, and I quote it. will be on the screen. It says that missions, or mission, God's mission, it exists because worship doesn't. Let me say that again. God's mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of redeemed fall on their face before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. And this is the end here. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and the goal of missions. It is the goal of missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into a white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions, of God's mission, is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. You catch that? This is why, because worship is the ultimate, okay? It's the only thing that will remain for eternity, and we see that, and we sing that in Revelation chapter 4, when all of creation, we see all of creation bow low before God, saying, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and your will, they they were created and have their being. This is the end game for God. It's also why God is on a mission, right? God's mission exists because worship doesn't, and this is this why is what brings purpose to our what and our role within this project. And so our role, friends, if you have any question about how to participate in here, it's, it's simply to bring the nations, the world around us, into a white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. Our role and mission as we worship God is to show the world what God is like and to call the lost on God's behalf into the good life good life that we've found with him. It's not complicated. It doesn't doesn't require a seminary education. It doesn't require the title of pastor or elder or deacon, but rather it's a great commissioning. It is a great commissioning or a collaborative mission for God's people to give all we are to all he's doing in ways only we can. And we see this assignment um, our role description within his work at the end of the gospel of Matthew chapter 28 and then beginning of the book of Acts chapter 1 when shortly after Jesus rose from the dead he, he right before he took off for for return for heaven he, he called his disciples for one last conversation one last chat and he he kind of gave them some clear instructions for his role within this job within this mission that he had he is on and it's it's Matthew 28 and Acts 1 it'll be on the screen it says this Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, what does it say? They worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, here we go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But Jesus, the disciples said, we're scared. We're insecure. We thought that, that things were going to go a little different than this. How, how can we actually do this work? Jesus replies in Acts chapter 1 as kind of the story rolls over. He says, he says you don't have to know all the details. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, all right, what is our role as an expression of worship to God as we take on his passion as our own? Our job is simply to go. It's to go as sent people, as missionaries, To go under the banner of Jesus, who has been given all authority. To go with him and make disciples. Now, disciples simply means future followers of him. To go where? Jesus says to go to all nations. Acts 1 says to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Which is kind of like saying to to La Crescenta, to LA County, to California, and the rest of the world. Go there and tell everyone about Jesus. Baptize them into a new way of living and teach them to obey all that he says is true and right and real because he is the authority. This is our assignment and our role in God's mission to take what you know and what you've already experienced with God and then to invite the world into it. To show the world what God is like and to call them into a better way on his behalf. Where? Everywhere. When? all the time. It's not not just about inviting people to church, though that would be cool. Our job is to be the middleman between Jesus and your lost neighbors. Our, Our job is to be the middleman between Jesus and your lost family, your lost coworkers, and even lost strangers. To be the middleman between Jesus and the world to which he is saying from Matthew chapter 10, come to me. All who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We are the middleman between between the lost world and the only one that knows how to find. Now, now please hear me say, it's not our job within the mission to save anyone. That is beyond our rank and pay grade, okay? There's only one that can save, and his name is... Jesus. It's not our responsibility to save anyone. It's only our responsibility to introduce those in need of a Savior to the only one who can save. To show the lost what it means to be found. To to those living in bondage, how to live free. This is our job. It's to make disciples everywhere all the time. Why? Ultimately, it's to add to the party that's happening in Revelation chapter 4, okay? Okay. We're here to add to the party where all God's people gathered around him saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Worship is the end. Mission is the means. It's not not complicated. It's a commissioning based on our confession. And we're all essential to play our part. So, bringing it back around, what is God's mission? To seek and save the lost. Making all things right once and for all. This is the end game. What is our role? To, To be the bridge between Jesus and a world that needs him. Why? because God so loved the world and wants to exist with humanity in eternity. This is his passion. This is the gospel. This is his mission that saved us to know and love and embrace. Which brings us up to our, our last piece that we're going to talk about today, which I, I think is undoubtedly the hardest, and that is staying faithful and staying focused to our joining God in his work. Because Like, I don't know what you, but for me, I can be so easily distracted. I can so easily lose focus or or really just turn the whole thing back around to me and make everything about me. I don't, anybody else? Yep, okay. Back, Back to Becca's birthday for a second. Here we go. Even though, guys, I went out of my way to make things strange, even though I went out of my way to make things as weird as possible, really leaning into what Becca loves, there was a moment where everyone starts playing this game at the house and they're like, "David, come on over, let's play this game." And I was like, "Uh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do some dish, I'm going to clean up real quick. Catch me catch me for the next round." And and you know what? Like I, I did have to clean, I mean, eventually. I was hosting this party, I had stuff to do, but the reality is I just don't love playing games, okay? <laughs> I'm not I'm not all that competitive, and so I spun it, right, to kind of make an excuse to check out. And and I made I allowed what seemed urgent at the time to interrupt what was truly important in that moment, which was what? Yeah, it was showing Becca that I loved her by joining in her in what she loves. She could have cared less if I did the dishes and I had them washed by the end of the party, or if I picked up, or if there were any other number responsible things. She just wanted me to join the game. She she just wanted me to join the game, and y'all, this is the Lord. He just wants us to get in the game. Are you following me? God just wants you to get in the game and stay there. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to, like, be polished and clean. We don't have to do everything responsible for him and and for his plan. He's going to do the work. It's his job. It's his work. He just wants us to join him. So how can we do it? How can we not get lost in the urgencies of life and all the metaphorical dishes in the spiritual sink that need washing? And instead, just worship him by doing what he loves. Well, I got three things real quick, and they all come from the scriptures. So one more time, I want to read 1 Peter 2 and then Acts chapter 1. And this really is the ticket to staying faithful in our worship. It says this one more time. It says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and Judea, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So quick quick things from our scriptures, if you want to remain faithful. To your place in God's mission. First, we need to remember, we need to receive, and we need to repeat. Pretty simple. Say that with me. Remember, receive, repeat. Okay, one more time. Remember, receive, repeat. Let's start with remember real quick. If you want to be faithful in your expression to God in worship by jumping into his mission, you need to first remember two things. You need to remember who you are, and you need to remember where you belong. We talk about this a lot, and so I'm sure that some of you have note cards stuffed in your Bibles that have these same points on them. I'm just driving at home, because we do such a bad job of remembering sometimes. So remember who you are and where you belong. You must remember daily that you have been sent by God, who is your authority sent by God as temporary residents and foreigners, as missionaries into the world that God so loves. What does this mean? It means that you no longer belong to the customs and behaviors of this world. Instead, your home country is now the kingdom of God. You are a citizen of heaven now. Hebrews 13, which we read a couple weeks ago, builds on it saying this, for this world is not our permanent home, we are looking forward to a home that is yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. So it all starts with remembering that when, that when God saved you, he didn't just save you from hell and, dis, and, and displacement from him. He saved you into relationship and into his kingdom. This means that you're different now. The old is gone. The new has come. So live new. It's who you are. You are a child of God. You are a new creation. And God has placed you on the front lines with him in his mission to build the most epic choir for eternity that heaven has ever seen. So remember who you are and remember where you belong. This this comes first if you want to be faithful to your confession. And to his mission. Which brings us to number two. As you remember that you are alive to honor Jesus, you also must remember that he, Jesus, has sent you a helper. He has sent you a helper because honoring Jesus with your life is hard. The mission is hard. Staying true is hard. and, And God knows that, which is why he decided to send you some backup. Which is number two. If you want to be faithful, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Back to Acts 1. After Jesus assigned the mission to his people, he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To do what? To be his witness. To jump in with both feet to his good work by telling people about him everywhere Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And this, friends, this is the miracle of all miracles. That God sent himself as Jesus to show you the good life. And then he actually sent himself as the Spirit so you might live faithful in the good life. So you might have the capacity to honor him consistently with your life. Friends, if you are a Christian, then God has given you his power. He's given you his presence to participate in his good work. So I just implore you, receive his Spirit. Welcome his Spirit again. And lean into the power that comes with it. Now, what does that look like? I, I think for some of you that might be like, man, I, I, this sounds great. I just don't know. It simply starts with saying, God, I believe that you're real, that you're good, you love me, and you lead to peace. God, I welcome you into my life. And if anyone is on the fence with this, anyone's kind of like trying to figure stuff out, it just starts with this. It's just saying, God, I, I believe you're real. I welcome your guidance, I welcome your power. God, I welcome your instruction and your conviction. I welcome you, God, all of you, God. Lead me and show me the way to join your good work in ways that only I can. And that's the second thing, if you want to be faithful, to join God in his work and his mission, you must lean into and embrace and receive his spirit. Which brings us up to our last, last piece, and that is simply to repeat, or better said, just do it again. Just do it again and again and again. Remember, receive, and and then just keep doing that because this life of faith is a journey toward God and his goodness. But it's really a series of cyclical decisions to remember and receive over and over and over again. It isn't just about faith. It's about faithfulness. This is a long obedience in the same direction as we worship God with our lives. Friends, your role in his mission isn't just throwing the party. It's staying present in the party until it's over. Revelation 4, when all creation bows low and worship before the throne of God, and this is it. Worship isn't an event. It's not a song. It's not a service. It's the repeated action that leads to the ultimate outcome of God's mission in the world. It's our expression of faithfulness for who God is and what God is doing over And over and over again, joining his good work with his power today and tomorrow and the next and the day after and the day after and the day after to remember who we are, where we belong, to receive his power again, and then to be saved. Repeat, repeat. And this is the good life of worship, a life fully devoted to God. Why? Because he is worthy. So as we close, I just want to leave you with, with this encouragement. I don't know what, what brought you here today. I don't know all the things that you carry with you. I know that we're all on, on this journey of faith, and we we're, are and we're chose to be at church this morning. And I'm so, so glad that you made this a priority today. But I, as we close, I just want to leave you with this encouragement. Whether you've been a Christian or you, for 70 years or, or seven minutes, and you're still figuring it out, I just want to, I want to remind you that God loves you. And that if you are a Christian, he saved you. And he has given you power to join him in his work. To worship him through his mission until his mission is no longer needed. God called you out of the dark so you might know the way back to call others out of theirs. This is what God did so you might do it too. So where does God have you? Where does God have you to join in his work? Where is God leading you, even now, to be the bridge between his goodness and a world that needs good news? How has God wired you and gifted you by his spirit to make the introduction between the Savior and those in need of saving? Because it's in those places, it's in those ways and those moments that God wants you to get in the game. Get off the bench and get in the game to extend an invitation for whoever is there to join you in the good life of worship that you found. And maybe that invitation, you know, honestly, is as simple as just inviting someone to Easter. Inviting someone to church on Easter, that's a simple, easy ask. Maybe, maybe for you, it's seeing someone in need and practically meeting it in Jesus' name. Maybe for you, it's, it's, you know, random conversations with coworkers, and you hear that they're going through a hard time, and you immediately offer to pray for them. I, I don't know what that is for you, to be the bridge To get in the game, all I know is that God is working, He is moving, He is doing great things, and and His people have been charged to jump in with both feet. We have been sent on mission to join God as a spiritual act of worship so the lost can be found and the found can be free. It's not our mission, it's not our work, it's not complicated, it's just a commission based on our confession. So remember who you are. Remember where you belong. Receive the power and the promise of his spirit and repeat over and over and over again. This is the way of Jesus and the best life can be. Amen? So I want to pray for you and then, um, yeah, let's just pray and then we'll dig into uh, what com- what's coming next. So, uh, Jesus, we're so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that That you believe in us enough to invite us into this epic work of salvation and, and, and restoration and reconciliation between you and the world. God, we know that you have come to seek and save the lost, and you've put you've called us up to be on your varsity team. And so, God, we just ask that you would give us the courage to get in the game, that we would remember who we really are and where we really belong, that we are temporary residents, that we are citizens of heaven that we are citizens of a kingdom that will reign forever, in which you are the king and authority. God, we, help us remember who we are and remember where we belong. Then, God, help us receive your guidance, receive your power and your spirit, your presence again to lead us, to show us how to play our part within this good work that you're doing. And, God, more than anything, we ask that you would just continue to to be our authority, that we would approach you from a posture of servant as a steward, that we would bow low before you and acknowledge your goodness, acknowledge your greatness, God, that we would be your people that would remember and receive and repeat over and over and over until the mission is no longer needed. So God, we're grateful for all that you've taught us over the series. We're grateful for all that you're going to continue to teach us in the, next, in the next season here at Highlands. But God, we just want to be a people of worship. We want to be a people that love you and honor you with everything we got. And that we would take on that position and posture because you are the Lord and we are the stewards. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this day. And it's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen. amen. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. Um, Hope you have an amazing, an amazing Sunday. If you're a member, stick around. We're going to get our business meeting going in about five minutes. Um, But otherwise, hit the road. And uh, yeah, catch you later.